The best way to predict the future is to invent it. Stephen Ambrose brings you up to speed on what the future holds as he explores the latest technology as it impacts our lives. Well, good morning and welcome to Tech Talk right here on 5FM. We always talk lots and lots and lots about uh, technology, what's happening. And today I was sitting working through all my emails and everything and you know what struck me? We are heading into an electrifying future. There is just no doubt that things are changing, cars are changing, and of great interest of late is the huge push and all the information that's coming from all the car manufacturers around electric vehicles or hybrid vehicles, but some form of changed electric vehicle that is coming in the future. And in Tech Talk Cafe, stay tuned. I'm going to have um, a technology journalist Join us, Nafisa Akabor, and she's been driving all the local South African electric cars, and she's got some great insights about what's going on and what's happening. So stay tuned with that. We're going to have a lovely conversation about what's new, what's coming, and all these great new cars. But no question, the future is electric, and uh, that has some interesting uh, ramifications for South Africa and our current inability to generate enough power to keep the lights on. Never mind the cars going. So stay tuned for that. That is going to be a seriously interesting conversation. And I think one that we're all going to have to get involved in over the next couple of years because electric vehicles are coming and they're coming thick and fast. Now, moving on to something interesting that came across and some great news just to add to your plethora of different voice apps, voice calls, ways to communicate. Gmail have had a voice system for ages. It's called Google Meet. It's pretty good. I've used it. A couple of people do insist on using it, especially those that are fully invested in the Google ecosystem of Gmail, Google Docs, and everything else. But it was never really as mainstream as WhatsApp or Zoom or Teams, for that matter, with Microsoft owning the business uh, desktop for the most part. But anyway, what they've done now is they've integrated calls into their new Gmail app for iOS and Android. So if you've got any one of those phones and you use Gmail app as a main app, you'll find that over the next couple of days, as you update it, you will see that there's now a little phone and a video phone call button built straight into the app. So you can immediately make a call before you had to send them a Google Meet invite and then they had to accept the invite and then you could proceed. But now, just like WhatsApp, just like any other platform, Teams, you name it, you can now simply click on that voice thing, make a call to that person, and off you go. So give it a shot. I've generally found the quality to be really, really good. At the moment, the feature is only for one-to-one chats. You can't have group chats. You can't add a whole lot of people. <clears throat> but missed calls will be flagged by a red phone or video icon within the conversation. And um, it, in all other cases that I've used it, it works exactly like any other system. It's just fully integrated into the Gmail app and fully integrated to G, uh, Google systems. And as I said, the quality seems as good, if not better, than some. And um, it's just another option that makes life a lot easier. The reason they say they did that was just to allow colleagues to collaborate within their current work environment. And... Um, that is a big deal. It's a lot easier than opening another app and another app and another app. Sometimes the biggest challenge I've got is that because I've got so many different voice apps and multiple setups, 
I still haven't found a computer. Phones are a bit better, but a computer tends to not know which speakers are active, which microphone to use. So you've always got the first five minutes of every call going, hi, can you hear me? Can you see me? It's a little bit daunting. And considering where we are with uh, technology as we sit, it's really completely and utterly insane that we, we sit with this type of, of craziness that you can't just simply click a button, make a call and move on. So if you're keen to check it out and see what's happening, just update your on your iOS or your Android phone up or tablet, update your Google Mail app or your Gmail app and uh, try out the new new way of communicating, another way of calling and just see how that all goes for you. Now, some more interesting news is that <laughs> timing couldn't have been worse, but here we go. Both uh, MTN and Vodacom have slashed international roaming rates. Now, very few people with this new Omicron variant are going to be roaming anywhere soon. But it's good to know that finally we're getting a situation where the pricing of these various services have come down to a much more reasonable rate. My advice and the advice has always been is to try to get a local sim wherever you go in the world. It's always a lot cheaper. It's just not often that easy because you, you would like to land wherever you're going, switch on your phone, connect, find what you need to do and move on. But at the crazy data roaming rates of the past, the prices were just exorbitant. It cost you a couple of hundred rand just to, to check your hotel booking or to order an Uber, which is absolutely berserk. Again, currently understanding the technology landscape. Well, Vodacom have announced that they are, and they were driven by MTN who did it first, interestingly. But Vodacom have done a very comprehensive bundle of, of reduced roaming rates. They've dropped by about 88% for the most part. Um, across the entire range of product. And now they're talking about 49 cents to 5 Rand, depending on which country you go to, per megabyte, which is a huge difference. The 49 cents is equivalent to the out-of-bundle rate in South Africa. So that's a big, big, big deal. And that covers mostly Mozambique, Swaziland, Botswana, Lesotho, which is still a possibility to travel to in the next couple of weeks or months. Um, and internationally, for the most part, all the big countries – um, still are covered at that sort of rate. So about 80 countries will come in at that price. And they're also allowing um, bundles, 85 Rand for one gig bundle up to 299 for a five gig bundle. And they're valid for 30 days, which is, I think, very, very reasonable. If you want to find out more about that, go to Vodacom's website. They've got an international roaming website. Um, and you can see, you can get all the roaming costs and everything. And it's it's pretty, pretty impressive how quickly they've responded and moved it to that level because it changes the game considerably for those of you that don't want to switch SIM cards or want to remain connected while you're traveling. MTN have done a very similar thing, and we are now sitting in a position where the per megabyte price of international roaming has gone down from 2 rand 50 to 99 cents, which is still pretty high. 1 rand a meg, that's a 1,000 rand a gig. That's pretty expensive for roaming. But it's still a lot better than it was, and it's definitely come down considerably. And the only way to activate that is through a, a star 135 hash, and then you can monitor it through star 135 hash again. So you can go to their website. They've also got a roaming website, which shows just look for international roaming on the MTN website, and you can then check out what's going on. 
The Vodacom offering looks a lot more compelling, to be honest, but MTN at least have brought the prices down to the point where, again, you can get your Uber, you don't have to stress too much, and you can get on the get going before you, you get where you need to go. So, good news, really. I just hope that all these lockdowns and all these restrictions end soon and we can all be roaming and doing everything that we do. So, we will be back uh, straight after this. We've got to have a quick break for our sponsors. And then we're going to be talking all about the electric future, cars, cars, and uh, no trains. Though electric trains are also coming. Not my area of coverage, but... Technology is certainly driving huge change in that space, and um, hopefully we'll get Nafisa on the line, and we'll be able to chat about her experience with EVs and electric cars across South Africa. So we'll be back straight after this. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, welcome back, and welcome to Tech Talk today. As I briefly introed it earlier, Today we've got Nafisa Akabor, who is a technology journalist covering consumer, business tech, and lately, more and more, technology related to cars, electric, otherwise, and everything. And um, there's big changes coming to this space. We are going to see a lot of electric cars coming in in 2023, or 2022. Gee whiz, I'm way ahead of myself. Anyway, welcome to the show, Nafisa. Lovely to have you. Hi, Stephen. Yes, thanks for having me. It's been a while. Has been rather, and well, I've been watching, and you've been driving all the most exciting electric cars. So, give us a little bit of a sense of of what you feel is going on out there with electric cars, certainly in South Africa, and um, then we can discuss a little bit about you know some of the specific new ones you've played with, or you know gadgets you play with, cars you drive, and um, where do you see this all going in the nearish future? Yes, so for me, it's a very exciting space. I love driving electric cars because of the instant talk. I mean, I'm sure we all do. But as, from a broader picture, the landscape needs to change. A lot of manufacturers globally have made commitments to switching to EVs only. So obviously, South Africa being a market of theirs, they also need to um, step up in this market. But unfortunately, South Africa is being held back by um, the high taxes. So Electric vehicles are are currently considered luxury vehicles in this country, which is why they're subject to a 25% import tax. So it's also why all the electric cars are are expensive, and that's the fact. It's because government thinks it's a luxury vehicle, but at the same time, these manufacturers have committed to making EVs. So they need to come to SA. But also, interestingly, the vehicles we're seeing are all luxury high-end, which makes sense in a way because... The smaller vehicles that are popular in China or Europe, they can't come to SA just yet because of this high import duties and they automatically going to get more expensive. So it's a bit of a tricky situation. And, um, 2022, as you know, there's at least 15 from my last count that are meant to come in. So I think something needs to change dramatically from now till then because the landscape has to change and people need to move to EVs. It's just better for the country, better for the environment and look at the current load shedding situation. But let's talk a little bit about the actual practicalities. Obviously, like everything in technology, the the new tech is always in the high end. That's where it starts, and then it trickles down to the the lower end cars. And I know you've been driving some really high end Audis, BMWs, you know, all sorts of really classy high end cars, and all electric. And what is your sense of where they are and how competitive they are compared to their normal petrol? 
uh, equivalents. How far has that technology come in the electric space? So naturally, it has more tech. I think these cars also need to stand out for being the most advanced and being an EV. They're just putting in a whole bunch of tech. It pairs with your phone. Most of them have apps. You're very familiar with that. It's so cool to treat your car like a gadget because you're now charging it like a smartphone. So with the <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, that is yeah. no question. You got me there. I'm I'm yeah. happy to deal with a car as a gadget. Yes. So that's what these EVs essentially are, in my opinion. It's another gadget that you're charging and, and you can access from your phone. With the you, the, you mentioned uh, the BMW iX and the Audi specifically. You, those two are the latest two I've driven this year. I was fortunate to drive the iX in Germany uh, before we were banned, but um, the tech was mind blowing. And I know you as a tech lover yourself would absolutely love to experience that. It's just all the thought that went into make it so advanced. For example, I use an iPhone and the BMW iX supports um, using the car key, digital car key plus. So if just say you bought a car, the iX, and you have, you want to share the car key with your kids, you can actually share it on the iPhone and you can limit what features your kids have access to. For me, that's mind blowing and that's amazing. That is, you that is. Extremely yeah. cool. So you just simply say you can drive the car and you can't go over 60 and you can't do this and you can't exactly. go here and you can't do that. <laughs> That's exactly it. It's every parent's dream, especially considering these cars give you the instant power. There's no changing of gears. There's no gearing up slowly, getting to the, the maximum power. It's like instantaneous. You just put your foot flat down and you've got all that power immediately. So no, it driving is, an electric it, is pretty, is literally it, electrifying. It's crazy. It is, and it's also um, a whole mindset change. That's a whole other topic, which I suppose we can also tackle. No, but just to give you give us a real sense, I mean, I've driven a few electric cars in South Africa, but not too many. How has your experience been actually on the road with regard to charging, with with um, range anxiety? Because these are real problems that most people bring up, even the matter of where you can charge your car. Yes, so the very first car I drove was that Nissan Leaf, which um, currently is not on sale. Obviously, that range was very limited. And I can confidently say that was the only car, naturally, I had range anxiety. I was like, oh, my gosh, am I going to make it to my next destination? Uh, I can use public charges. But we've come such a long way since then. And all these fancier, higher-tech cars, their ranges are definitely extended. And I don't feel that I'm not going to make it to my next destination. When I drove the BMW, when I drove the Audi, I even took it to Cullinan outside Pretoria. I didn't even think at one point I'm not going to make it back. I just made sure I didn't go max it out. But I knew confidently that I'm going to get back home. So driving it um, and the charging thing, it it can become a problem because you need faster charges to charge these cars. Nobody wants to charge a car for eight, nine hours, although... This is what people are going to have to do in their homes. However, this is why we need more DC chargers. Um, they are scattered around Joburg. I just don't think there's enough. But I do think the landscape is changing. And given what's coming next year, uh, there might be more being rolled out. But you need to know where the chargers are to be quick. And if, let's say, you're not a big tech fundi like we are, and you're not really keen on, on all the gadgets and gizmos, are these cars still accessible to people who are not as tech savvy, for example? Do they make it easy and very simple to connect and get on with the car? I think so. It, I think it's easy. You're just switching it on, or obviously to silence, and then you're driving off. Um, you don't necessarily have to pair the phone, uh, the car to the phone, but I think if you are charging it and it's showing you the charge status, that is something you need to be explained or told, or at least at minimum start using. But all the other 
features like any other car. There are so many current cars, regular internal combustion engine vehicles that have the tech, but most people I speak to who drive them don't even know half the things they have. So I think it's the same thing. Well, that's, that's really interesting because that, for me, will be the transition that makes the difference. And on the lower end, apparently you've been driving around in the, in the VW uh, Golfs. Is that, do you see that as a growth area? Do you see those coming in at a price that the average person can afford? Because I heard you mention something about the uh, Audis coming, starting at 1.99999.5 million rand. Yes, so I did, I was fortunate to drive the e-golf uh, last year for a whole month. Um, VW lent it to me. But uh, they were very specific. I'm not sure if you're aware. That particular model will not be on sale in SA. However, they did confirm the ID4 will be coming to South Africa. Now, all eyes are on VW about the pricing for that one because currently um, the Mini Cooper SE, the electric Mini, is, you can't see my air quotes, but it's the cheapest EV at 650000 <laughs> <laughs> So Cheap, I think... Cheaper at, at 650k. Yes, you know, um, so it's interesting to see if uh, VW brings, as you know, they're the people's car. If they bring such a car that's likely going to appeal to the mass market, um, I'm curious to see what they're going to price it at. And who knows, maybe by then this 25% import duties will be scrapped or reduced dramatically. Well, there appears to be a green paper, which means they've just started to talk about it. But there seems to be an, an, an awareness amongst the, the government and those that deal with this stuff that, electric vehicles are going to have to be supported. I mean, in Europe, they'll pay you a lot of money to drive an electric car. You won't pay all sorts of carbon taxes. So it becomes very cost-effective to drive an electric car in some countries around the world. And it, it appears that that's starting to be spoken about in South Africa. Have any of the manufacturers mentioned that to you? Are there any indications that we're going to get some sort of break on these type of cars that we can start affording them in the nearish future? So given that I have been covering EVs for uh, several years now, all of them have said they're all lobbying with government for years now. Government is very aware what's going on, how the landscape is going to change. But for some reason, I, I can't comment. I don't know why they, have, they haven't dropped it or made it more affordable. Look, I know with, we've all seen that uh, recently with the petrol price, how much of taxes South Africans pay versus our neighboring countries. I mean, I know it's going to be a loss for that income, but I don't know what their reasons are for not doing that way, but all of them are actively engaging for years. Well, that's that's actually very, very, very good news. Now, tell me, what is the coolest, just as a last question, what is the yeah. coolest thing that you've, you've found about an electric vehicle from your perspective? I kind of mentioned it earlier. It's, for me, the instant talk. I love a bit of speed, <laughs> so it's literally putting my foot <laughs> flat down. And just going, and it's silent, and it's just incredible. But I'm completely aware, uh, you obviously need to be safe out there, and you need to do it, maybe when you're taking off from a red robot in your suburb when it's quiet. Obviously, I'd never do that, like, irresponsibly. But, yeah, just just experiencing that little bit of difference that you never would have experienced on any other car. So you feel like a racing driver every time you <laughs> hop behind the... You hop behind the wheel of, a, of an electric vehicle, whereas a yeah. normal car just is a little bit limited. Yes, a dangerous thing to admit, but yes. <laughs> well, don't worry, we won't we won't take you there. And then the last little thing, the the Audi package that you've recently played with the the model you mentioned it earlier, I think, which one you you drove. 
your sense of that car, will it be very competitive in this space? And do you see it actually getting quite a nice little market share in South Africa, even in spite of some of the challenges around um, charging and availability of fast chargers? Yeah, so um, Audi e-tron, the SUV I drove, they chose to keep the looks very similar to current car, uh, cars on their lineup. So it looks like any other Audi except for the side virtual mirrors. And for that reason, I think they might have be onto something because a lot of people are still skeptical. And they're like, if you look at the BMW iX, there's been polarizing opinions about the design. Yeah, it's and a very, looks. you either love it or you don't love hate, it. Exactly. It's one of those cars. So Audi took the opposite approach to sort of appeal to people who aren't ready to make such a bold step. So so to drive a car that looks like any other car. So I think that might work in the favor of them. But they're also a very niche market. So I do think there is appeal there. And the fact that they're bringing in six different models. So there'll definitely be options for people depending what they want, whether it's an SUV, whether it's like a GT or a Sportback. Um, yeah, I'm just curious to see how this plays out because six cars from one manufacturer is a lot and they're the ones bringing the most in. And um, they also have told me that they're busy rolling out their charges, their their own. Um, okay, yeah. so so they, they're looking at the whole ecosystem, not just a matter of making yes. cars available. They're also looking at the support and the charging and everything to go with it. Well, that's yeah. super, yeah. super, super exciting. So. Lots happening in 2022. I'm going to see if I can somehow get a few of them to play with as they are gadgets in the new year. But um, we'll, we'll chat again really soon. That's wonderful to hear about all the, 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 the activity in this space because there is no question that globally they're setting targets and we are going to see a very huge shift in motor vehicle ownership and the types of motor vehicles that people drive. So, this space is going to be endlessly exciting for technology people. I'm very excited. Well, that's great stuff. But thanks so much for joining me on the show. And let's chat soon about all the latest gizmos and gadgets. Great. Thank you, Stephen. Thanks, Nafisa. Lovely to talk. So just to, to give a quick roundup around the whole electric vehicle and electric vehicle space, I did a little bit of research, and there are a huge amount of cars coming from a lot of the various manufacturers. Obviously, it's very high-end focus now. So there's a whole range of cars coming from Audi, as we've spoken, probably one of the biggest. But Mercedes, not to be left out of the the race, are also bringing their whole EQS range to South Africa. And they've promised that in the next two to three years, every single model range they sell, will have an electric vehicle available. And a lot of them are also talking about hybrids as well as full electric vehicles. So some customers who rather not jump all the way from a normal fuel vehicle into a fully electric vehicle for lots of reasons. Maybe you do a lot of long traveling and you're not comfortable with the charging infrastructure around the country. Then you get yourself a hybrid, which is partially electric. You can charge it, but when you need to, you can use the petrol engine and off you go. So a lot of them are saying that these sort of hybrids are not a long-term solution, but but they are being used in Europe to meet emission targets, which are getting tighter and tighter. And there will be a crossover in that space. But there's no question that between but in the high end, and this is probably, as Nafisa said, where we're going to see a lot of activity, in the high end, between all the German top manufacturers, BMW, Mercedes, Audi, and even Porsche, They've got a brand new range of Taycan 
models that are fully electric, but they've got the new Macan coming in 2023, which means, well, it'll be out in September 2022, their 2023 model. Don't ask, but that's how it works. And they are actually going to release that in South Africa, from what I've heard. So there will be, in the high end, a huge choice of really high-tech luxury vehicles, obviously, at unfortunately, very high pricing. But the trickle-down thereafter, um, as we discussed, will come. So great cars coming out of Nissan, a little uncertain, but great cars coming out of VW in that space, considering they had some challenges around diesel recently. But um, the other the other Toyota are starting with a hybrid vehicle in South Africa this year and are promising a massive range of cars in the next two years, along with a lot of the other manufacturers in that space who do so much work and Volkswagen, no question, are, have their whole ID, ID3, ID Next, ID4 range, now even an ID5 in Europe, and that, they say, is coming to, to South Africa. So we are going to see a lot of change coming. Hyundai have also announced some of their new models that could be very interesting. But I think it comes down to a lot of things. One, is South Africa ready? Will our electricity problems fade into the past? Will the network of charging stations grow? Though, as much as Shell has been in the, in the news for all the wrong reasons of late, they have announced globally that they'll be looking at integrating charging into their, their um, fuel stations. And I think a lot of the other energy companies, as they want to be called these days, not fuel companies, energy companies, are going to be doing a lot of work to extend this because there's simply going to be no place for the normal ice engine, as they call it, in the next couple of years. So stay tuned to to the show. Stay tuned to what's going on, and we'll try to bring you all the latest around the change in motor vehicles. But there is a huge change coming, and it is coming to South Africa. You're going to see more and more cars on the road, and I hope the government get their act together and give us the tax breaks that we need in order to afford some of these Fabulous new gadgety type cars with electric engines and um, great fun to drive, as Nafisa said. So on that note, we'll be back straight after this with another high-end gadget. It looks like this is going to be a bit of a high-end show, but stay tuned. We'll be back straight after this. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Now moving on to a really cool gadget and a challenge that obviously gadgets bring and change. There are two huge things going on in most people's lounges with regard to technology. The first huge thing is a brand new flat screen TV, 65 inches and above, because 65 inch has become the most common panel size out there, taking over from 55 pretty quickly. And again, because the prices have dropped considerably. So now you've got this great flat panel TV, one of the compromises that you get with these super flat TVs, especially at the high end using an OLED, which is a couple of millimeters thick, is that where do you put the speakers and where do you put the sound? Now, the, the players in that space have done a great job, mostly from the Sonys to the LGs to the Samsungs. They've done a remarkable job considering the space constraints and the look and the feel that they've had to produce for the market. They all look super slim. They're all very big. So they're pretty dominant. They can't be too thick. 
So they've done a remarkable job of integrating sound speakers and multiple speakers into panels that are reasonable. The sound is good. You can hear what's going on, but it certainly does not um, in any way, shape or form would it be considered high-end or or even acceptable for the most part. And what that means is that you need to put a sound system of some sort. Now, obviously, sound bars, tons of sound bars have come out from all the manufacturers, some of them varying from reasonable to not so reasonable. Some just make a lot of noise. Some really don't add a lot of value, and others do. So I'm not getting into all that now. And home theater systems with multiple speakers, big amplifiers, and all the rest are also an option. But for the most part, most of us are looking for something sleek, integrated, uh, smooth, and, and easy to operate. And again, connected. So in my search for something of quality that matched um, the TV that I was using and also offered me a really decent high-end sound experience because my background, many years I've been listening to really high-end audio, I came across a product from a company called Name. Now, Name have been in the audio business for many, many years. They're an English company, and they've made very, very specialist high-end audio for many years. I can't even remember how long. And have been doing a lot of work in the digital space. However, they've been extremely expensive for the most part. There's definitely specialist audio or, or audiophiles who really wanted exceptional quality. But of late, they've released a new version of something they call the Muso 2. Now, the Muso range was simply, it looked very much like a high-end small soundbar, and it is, in fact, a small high-end soundbar. It is neat, clean, with a, a nice little electric knob on the top. It comes with an app, Android and iOS, that you can use. It connects to Wi-Fi, and it's got a ton of um, features the bottom line on the name Muzo 2, which is available, you just need to, to, to Google it. It is super expensive. It's going to be in the 25 to 35,000 rand range. So right up front, this is not for everyone, but if you really want high quality music, high quality sound, which seamlessly integrates with your TV and yet at the same time has all the electronic streaming services and everything else that you need to know. Um, this is, is something that's well worth looking at. So the all-new Muso 2 second generation is is really a very solid, well-built, small soundbar with tons and tons of technology. It, through the app, has a new comprehensive streaming platform. You can link Spotify. You can link... Um, of, of course, I've gone just a little bit... Uh, uh, I lost a title is built in. The Tidal app is built directly. Spotify works through Link. It connects to all the various um, streaming, Apple AirPlay 2, Google Chromecast. It has internet radio built in. Um, you can then use Deezer Cubas, which is Cubas, which is a high-end streaming service. It's quite expensive, but very, very good, um, very good quality. And all of these can be streamed through the Musa. Now, it comes with a remote, but generally I found I've not used the remote much. I've used the app on my phone a lot. The build quality is simply superb. It is solid aluminium. It's extremely solid and heavy. It's got a lot of room presets. So if you put it against a wall, you can adjust for that. If you put it in a corner, you can adjust for that. 
and the sound quality is simply put spectacular. They work with a French company called Focal, who um, created these drivers specially for the Muso, and it's a full stereo set of drivers, even though in a small box you don't really get the stereo feel, and that's my only criticism. As as far as stereo space goes and having sound of that nature, you don't get it. It's one single bar that sits generally beneath the TV or somewhere in your room, so you don't get a very big stereo spread. But apart from that, it's got 450 watts of amplification built in, and no matter how loud you play, and this thing plays exceptionally loud, um, it sounds clean, it sounds controlled, and undeniably high-end. It has a crispness, a solidness that is far far superior to any soundbar that I've tried. And some of them are quite expensive. Um, in fact, it's a lot better than some of the um, the sort of commercial standalone soundbars that come from other manufacturers. I'm not going to mention them here. It is without question the most high-end and crisp and clear and easy-to-listen-to device that I've heard for a long, long, long time. And how that translates is that Really complex movies that you watch. The voices are always incredibly clear. The bass is solid. There's no subwoofer, though there is an option to add one through the name ecosystem, which is somewhat expensive. But it has really deep bass, so things shake, rattle, and roll, but you never lose the audibility of sound. The new processing that they've built into it is exceptionally good, so it can go up to really high-end streamed music at way above normal CD, so it's 24-bit, 88 kilohertz, uh, and uses some of the technology from some of NAIM's high-end streaming products. So they've built this all together. It's made in China, but I think that was to save a little bit of money in terms of of quality. But there's just no question that when it comes to a compact single-box device that offers you everything that you need from a high-end point of view, so... Play classical music, it sounds superb. Play a big movie, it rattles and rolls. Play something where you need clarity, it does that that as well. So you can pick it up, as I say, go online, look for the name, N-A-I-M, Muzo 2, and you will find it's available from specialist dealers in South Africa um, and at a high price, negotiate as usual. But if you're looking for something that's way ahead of anything in the normal sense in soundbars, this is the one to go for. And we'll be back straight after this uh, with another quick little update and a, a useful hint and tip. We'll be back straight after this now. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, welcome back. And I've just done a little bit of Googling quickly. And the price of the name Muzo 2 in South Africa is anywhere between 35 and 40,000 rand. You need to check it out. And you can get it. It is available along with the Muso QB2, which is a simple, smaller version of it at about half the price, which is just a little cube. Also, played with it briefly, and it's also exceptionally good sounding, but not quite at the same scale as the Muso 2. So before we call it a day, a day, I just wanted to update you on something that is really interesting, and it's the time of the year the time of the year where people are always rounding up 2021. And Google have announced all their, the top searched products on the Internet for 2020 And um, it's actually very interesting. The top search trend, or the top search item that's trending in South Africa 
was the Sasa status check, which is not surprising considering this is free money from the government. It's a grant to those that are unemployed. And um, considering the unemployment rate and what's going on in South Africa, that is not uh, not unsurprising that that was the number one Googled item. But more to the point of where these things should be going, that uh, South Africa is also uncompromising in terms of its love of sport and entertainment. And Euro 2020 Squid Game, which is the Netflix TV series, was one of the top ten, was definitely topping the top ten. Premier League soccer, still great. Shona Ferguson, the PSL, Pakistan versus South Africa. Can't mess with the cricket. Obviously, the election results was huge. And then Wimbledon. Local searches, interestingly enough, trending local personalities were Jacob Zuma, Mpura, Ace Magashula, all heard in the news, Zola 7, Prince KB, and globally, personalities were very different. There was Christian Eriksen, Alec Baldwin, unfortunately for all the wrong reasons, Gabby Petito, The Weekend, Pete Davidson, and a few more. So, it's just fascinating how a Google search completely highlights what is going on within a country and what is happening in our space. So stay tuned. We will be back um, next week, same place, same time with more gadgets, gizmos, and a couple of EVs to play with, hopefully. <laughs> it should be very interesting to see how this all pans out in the next couple of, couple of weeks and years for that matter. So on that note, this is Stephen Ambrose for Tech Talk right here on High FM. And uh, we'll be back same time, same place next week.